0: And we, uh,
1: Someone needs to mute themselves. All right. Live. We're live.
0: All right. Meeting is live on Facebook. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the DKP. Let's grab that, uh, link and share it out. Put it on DKCM, put it on our pages. Welcome everybody back to the show we um it's my fault i'll take all the blame uh i canceled yesterday but i had a very good reason um did a young sister in the church that was wanting to talk about getting baptized and we had a very very cold very very dank baptism right before i came here so
1: did it um, now save her
0: yes that's what the bible says hallelujah (laughs) glory to jesus
1: (laughs) baptism doesn't save us it now saves us
0: (laughs) hey i'll take it however i can get it uh i do have another guest this young man is uh 15 today it's his birthday so birthday he's my dkp special guest elisha's with us he's sitting in the wings and we have another special guest coming up uh a very special guest another another uh family member but um i'm gonna let that tease our audience for just a little bit we'll introduce them when we bring them in but we have a special treat hey you know we had so much uh so much of a good time on our election coverage we knew we had to do something to keep all the fish on the hooks so Titus worked up a special little ditty for the show tonight. Everybody say hi, and then, Titus, why don't you take over?
1: Good evening, one and all. Our Blanky and Ja, you're supposed to say hi if they want to hear your nice, honeyed voices before we go to Johnny Cash.
0: Best radio voice.
1: Anthony's you're muted, needed, Anthony. and Blanky's not talking, so I guess we Yes, speaking. hello, we're
0: good evening, good evening.
1: <laughs> all right, can you see that?
2: yeah and i'm like Elihu. i gotta wait till the wise people talk and then i'll talk last so there it is so um but anyway let's hear that yeah.
3: well the bible tells us about a man who ruled babylon and all its The city he built a wall And declared that Babylon would never fall He had concubines And wives he called his Babylon Paradise on his throne He drank and ate but for Belshazzar it was getting late For he was Weighed in the balance And found wanting His kingdom was Divided couldn't stand He was Weighed in the balance And found wanting His houses were built upon the sand Well the people feasted and drank their wine And praised the false gods of his time All holy things they scorned and mocked But suddenly all their mocking stopped For on the wall there appeared a hand Nothing else, there was no man In blood the hand began to write And Belshazzar couldn't hide his fright he was weighed in the balance and found wanting His kingdom was divided, couldn't stand He was weighed in the balance and found wanting His houses were built upon the sand Well, no one around could understand What was written by the mystic hand Belshazzar tried but couldn't find A man who could give him peace of mind But Daniel the prophet, a man of God He saw the writing on the wall in blood Belshazzar asked him what it said And Daniel turned to the wall and read My friend, you're weighed in the balance and found wanting Your kingdom is divided, it can't stand You're weighed in the balance and found wanting
1: there it is
0: that's a special guest appearance by caesar on the show tonight thank you for putting that together for us titus what a song boy johnny did some he did some smash stuff what's the other one uh oh uh when the man comes around that'd be another good one to do a do a edit edit edited video for well um we have we we uh in talking about what to do for the show tonight we decided we were going to have on a special guest there's been a lot of controversy about what to do for the
1: holidays
0: as most of you know i'm not a big holiday celebrator
1: um (laughs) uh <laughs> the whole, the conspiracy here was you oh, released this virus into the world <laughs> to try to get christmas out of the universe
0: that that's not true i i i uh i reject those claims uh i i do however what i do you would say i do much to titus's consternation i do very much enjoy thanksgiving food i like turkey uh i don't like sweet potatoes that's gross Especially if you put marshmallows on them, it's even worse. But
1: uh, ham and turkey, I'm down for. I like you, ham. You and like turkey dry meat. white meat and like just and and sandwich meat. Well, that's because you're cooking it wrong. I'm not cooking it. The people who cook it do a really good job. That's not the issue. The issue is the choice of what to, what what you're eating. It's just not a good choice. Why don't you like turkey? It's dry. What do you mean? Stra- no, I don't. I think that's what everybody's trying to tell you. If your turkey <laughs> dry, you're not it's, doing it right, it's like eating chicken, except less tasty. Basically, <laughs> that, that's what turkey is like. You never go out to a fancy dinner and, and are like, man, you know what I want at this restaurant is some nice turkey like that. That Those words never crossed anybody's lips.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I go to the grocery store and want turkey all the time.
1: OK, well, that's not the only odd thing about you part of the reptilian conspiracy
2: that we've been hearing so much about
0: well so anyhow let's let's move on uh, from our culinary disagreements um we do have a special guest and our special guest is josiah Hertzler. there are more Hertzlers than you can shake a stick at i guarantee you um i've been pleased to know many of them uh i call some of them my close friends And um, this one is a new one to me. Josiah is a brother to Anthony. And uh, while I pull him in here, we'll bring him in from the waiting room. Um, Josiah is in Wisconsin and he is uh, an ER nurse uh, and a small scale farmer. And he is married with a couple of boys. So it sounds like a very, very full life. But given all the controversy about holidays, about conservative Christians, and COVID conspiracies, and all of that fluff, we wanted to have somebody who's uh, on the front lines to to join us and and try to have a sensible take on on why we sh- what we should or shouldn't be doing what we how to be responsible people responsible to our neighbors responsible to our family so where why don't you um how how are things on the front lines Josiah what how how is your work going what are you seeing from day to day
4: so yeah that's probably a good place to start um yeah so I am I work in an ER in a fairly small um well, considering the area we service it actually, I mean, we see a fairly high volume of people. It's like it's a 18 bed ER, um, usually run five nurses during the day and a provider and a PA or mid-level and a fellow. Um, and, you know, it's here in Monroe, population is like 10,000, but we service the county. And I mean, people drive literally an hour to come here. Um, because there just really isn't anything good unless you go to Madison, which is an hour north of us. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, we didn't see a whole lot. First wave of COVID, I guess. Um, You know, there were some people that were sick. We had a couple really sick people, but it wasn't like you heard, you know, from the East Coast and things like that. and we're going through tons of protocols and new methods of doing things, and on and on and on. And it was, you know, almost doing like quick burnout of a bunch of nurses, even though we weren't really seeing high volumes or lots of sick patients. Um, that's kind of how it started out. We had a couple of providers that went to New York, and it almost seemed like a different world. You know, the stuff they would say, well, one is from New Jersey, one went to New York, he's a, na- a National Guard, so he went there with them. Um, and it was a little bit hard to reconcile the two different worlds. Like, you here, it didn't feel like COVID existed. Right. But you had to, you had to come to grips with it because, like, the, with these guys, it was horrific, you know, some of the stories these guys were, were reporting. So, you know, the streets were empty. RER went down to almost like a third the census. Our hospital went down. They were furloughing nurses. We hardly had anything. Everybody was staying home. Then came the post rush when everybody comes in with stuff they've been putting off. We had a lot of sick patients from non-COVID issues um, throughout you know, the summer and stuff. Then came the fatigue, I guess, the lockdown fatigue and mask fatigue and everything else and people started going about business as usual along with it getting cooler and now here in Wisconsin we're starting to kind of pay for that um in a way most people have just kind of given up there's still a lot of people that that um that care but in a way, you've gotten almost more of a divided camp because you, I don't know, that's that's a different discussion. We might get to that. But um, so now we are seeing quite a few fairly sick people, a lot of mildly sick people, still manageable on our end. But what's kind of interesting is the relationship we have with Madison is that we are setting up and have set up, and I think we have taken a couple. I'm not very savvy to what's going on upstairs on inpatient, I work in the ER, but um, the Madison hospitals are full and refusing patients that they would typically take for stuff other than than COVID, things that, um, you know, specialties that we don't have, you know, sick people that need to go north, you know, transfer out of our hospital, but they can't go because there are no available beds in Madison. Local nursing homes right now, we have things in place where they are admitting <laughs> patients to Milwaukee, which is an hour and a half away, if they're sick and need admission to a hospital because mm. there's not room here at the local hospital, or or they're they're preserving room. Last week there wasn't room. This week there is room. I mean it changes constantly. So it, you know, yeah. from any given time, there there could be.
5: <clears throat> um,
4: Last week was a little bit of a sobering week, I guess, Um, because there was, you know, a few deaths of people that kind of were like hit home because it's like, oh, these were people that everybody knew, you know, it's a small town, right? Um, You know, one was an older, older gentleman um, who had, he told me, he said he's been doing everything he can to keep from catching it problem is he lives in a community right now where community spread spread is very rampant and um <clears throat> you can't just avoid it by staying at home necessarily um his wife states to me <laughs> at least they don't make us wear masks at work <laughs> when he just got done talking about how careful he's been right and it just kind of like, I just sat there as like, I wanted to say something, but I didn't, it, you know, it, it, there, there wasn't a place for that, but
0: um, right.
4: it was just one of those kind of realities of the two different worlds you're seeing through this kind of. Um, so, so yeah, we are seeing people, you know, a young, very young person the other day, no comorbidities, um, you know, dead in a short time. We're not seeing much of that, because we are a smaller population area. Um, one thing we are seeing is mortality rate in hospitalized patients is going way down. One of the goals of early lockdowns earlier was to you know spread things out, right? To, to
5: help Develop us under,
4: right, understand the virus more. There's right. a lot of understand, uh, just better understanding now. People are getting treated better and we're having much better outcomes
0: and is a part of that. I don't, I don't know how much of those protocols, you know, and what they've changed, but it seems like there's much less intubation.
4: There is. We put off intubation till there really is no other option. Earlier it was thought that early intubation, right? You need to have patients come in, you know, and the one doctor that kind of directs things actually there, he's like, we want to intubate them early so we can start treatment give their lungs a break and blah, 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 this and that. And the other thing, um, but they found that for some reason we were just weren't getting people off vents. You put them on vents and it, you just, they couldn't wean them off.
5: Right. Um,
4: so, so now, I mean, I'll have people on high level of oxygen just weeks at a time, you know, on inpatient, miserable, <laughs> you know, not sedated, but because the outcomes are better.
5: Um, uh-huh right
4: of anticoagulation you know due to the the blood clot issue that is is what causes a lot of the sudden death in these patients um so yeah i don't know how much um, yeah that's that's that gives us good sense
0: for where where things are at what you're experiencing I, i i just so i think the hmm it's like you can't win for losing with all this. I I I feel like a lot of people that are dismissive of the real dangers, like there's always an excuse, right? Well, it's only hurting older people and I'm not that old. I'm it's not going to be a big problem for me even if it happens. But then there's also this notion, I think this 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 suspicion of of bureaucracy, suspicion of scientific bureaucracy, suspicion <clears throat> of medical bureaucracy that, that catches a lot of people up. And I feel like the conversation a lot of times is, well, no, who do you know that really has this? Well, my father-in-law was put into a nursing home. I, I left Oregon two weeks ago. He was put into a nursing home on a Tuesday. I went, uh, no, take that back on a Thursday. I went home on a Friday. Uh, I got a call on Monday that he was COVID positive. I got a call on Tuesday that he had passed away. I don't know that that's a COVID death. I just know he right. was positive when he died. Right, right. And, and we have, uh, all of us have a friend in the group right now whose father is struggling in a hospital and and we're praying for and like this idea that it's not affecting anybody, who do you know that really has it? Like it's mm-hmm. it's just a matter, I think what it is, like you said, Josiah, it's a matter of population scale. And I think maybe that was the big problem in how America dealt with it. We're such a big nation, it's not like Europe. And so when we did rolling blackouts in March and April, when people in Wisconsin had to shut down their businesses when they'd never seen a COVID case or heard of anybody, right it really made everybody flip out and like they're being scammed and now that it's now that it's sweeping across the midwest Mm -hmm. it's it's a dangerous mixture a dangerous cocktail
4: so and then the problem is i mean yeah and i and i've tried to develop my opinions on or on you know what i how i feel about these lockdowns and stuff there's a lot of it So I guess, and we can go in discussion for what we feel like from here, but like when I've told people, when I see the discussions about it, when I hear what my patients say to me, it's kind of wearing, I guess, some of the things you hear on both sides of it. On one side, there's been a a polarization through this of people who morally think it's wrong to be restricted. It's like they only see the deaths from suicide, depression. a lot of the collateral damage, this these lockdowns, which is real and present, um, and then they and then the other side um, believes that, in a subtle way, that like that if you get COVID, you'll die. Right. It's not true. They're panicking. Right. And so you have both of these sides. And as healthcare workers, we're caught in the middle. We hear, we, we sit here, we hear Biden say one thing, you're like, no, that's not true. We hear Trump say another thing, no, that's not true. And all the followers, you know, on either camp and you're like, it's not true guys.
1: Right.
4: <laughs> like, there's real things we can do, I guess, um, you know, there, there there's just, there's a lot of data out there on the lockdowns and um, it's not very convincing that some of the, the blanket lockdowns and limitings are very effective because you're only as effective as adherence to the rule. Right. So yeah, like we could shut down COVID by a 14 day total lockdown.
0: If everyone actually did completely. Every, but in.
4: that's not going to happen. So right. how do we, how do we um, help people mitigate the risk to the ability that they can and speak to that or the ability that they will and get the best outcome because what governors are doing right now is just kind of creating more turmoil. And this is just, this is my opinion, but you know, right. here in Wisconsin, they've limited you know groups in Dane County and Madison and stuff like that. You can't have 10 people in your house at a time or 10 or more people in your house, it's a limit. Oregon, they're doing a similar thing and probably other places. Right. That is creating more of this hard divide between people instead of talking about things you can do if you're going to have a group people are going to have groups okay you're not right. going to stop them they're not going to be stopped so if you're going to have a group here's some good things to do to help keep the spread of 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 the virus indoors which is where it spreads most readily um
0: so why don't you just sh- share those recommendations with us if you for your family and your neighbors what do you hope that people are doing as a healthcare worker
4: um I guess it depends on where you are too. So maybe I'll, I'll preface it first by that. Okay, so the main risk, we are seeing mortality rates go down dramatically. Right. The biggest risk is if it gets beyond a hospital's capacity. Right. We're at that here in Wisconsin. There's other places that aren't, a lot of places are. Um, but when one really sick person comes into the ER, that'll tie up the physician, it'll tie a bunch of other people minute by minute. If two people come in, Somebody's gonna get missed out on care. It's just the way it is. It's right. on, on the the intense, active monitoring and you know, titration of drugs and things that has to happen. So in the overload hospitals, we have lots of needless people die. That has happened in many cities. Um,
0: can I ask a rabbit trail question real quick about that? Sure. How how does that how do those situations get dealt with? I was surprised when I went into a healthcare meeting for my father-in-law. They had a medical ethicist on the panel that we were talking with. Are ethicists making those decisions for hospitals? Of well, who gets care and how that gets prioritized? No.
4: So basically, what I'm saying is that <laughs> that no, there's no time in these situations.
0: It's just everyone's theirs getting I'm care, talking, and I'm about comes
4: ER is it. all I can speak to. I don't know right. about the ICU. The ICU, there's more longer term type things. I'm talking about when you have someone come in, takes two nurses, you have one person monitoring this, you have one person monitoring this, takes a physician making orders, making, trying to decide how to treat this patient. Another one comes in, you have a nurse take that one. What about all the other people in the ER? Right. Then you have a nurse there that's like, hey, I need to know what to do about this. This person's blood pressure is dropping. Should we go back to imaging now? Well, no, imaging is full. They already have another patient in there. We don't know, should we do this med on this patient? It's not an ethicist thing. It's just manpower. I mean, it's right. just... Um, it's so dealt at that with point, it's on just the fly.
0: And whatever can be done gets done.
4: Right. Um, when you have multiple people coding at once in the ER, you know, you have one crash cart. You're you're kind of designed to code one person at once.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, it, because it's a very, very personnel and labor intensive process. Right. Um, so... Let's see. I don't know where I'm going with this. Um,
0: well, recommendations. We were talking about recommendations.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: So, hospitals are full at capacity. Oh, yeah. in yeah. So I want
4: to. I want to say. So I am. Yeah. Like I said to you guys before too. I am not an expert on this at all. I don't yes. necessarily know what's right. We do know some things. Um, that, in my opinion, and I think there's facts to back me. Um, masks are an easy thing they don't cause suicide they don't cause i mean they might cause anxiety to some people but it depends on your mentality to them if you feel like you're being controlled by a government scheme or whatever then yeah it's going to cause all kinds of anxiety that's not what it is right masks work to help they don't eliminate spread and that's it's so what well, part of the big issues of dealing with this is everybody looking at things as black and white right they're not masks help there's a lot of data to suggest that there's a lot of times you'll get infected when you have a mask but it'll be a lower viral load and you have to study viral transmission and things like that right but so you'll get a lighter case of it that you may not even notice but you'll then develop immunity to it so uh, either way it helps save lives that way um it's droplet born the virus doesn't necessarily just free fly through the air so yes even though it's smaller than the pores in your mask it's carried on droplets so the droplets get caught by the mask um just a few simple things <laughs> um right. so masks are really good they're easy to do they don't ostracize they shouldn't ostracize you from your neighbors right fortunately they've become a tribal badge in today's political climate and it's frustrating but because um, it shouldn't be that way but, um and i and I definitely I guess don't want to give recommendations as far as to what people should do in their own homes um well, I mean, I can give things like okay, so open windows, turning your heat up, obvious that that lessens the amount of of trapped air there is, um Hand trying washing. to keep a little bit of a distance, you know, maybe don't kiss your relatives as much as you would have before um. Wash your hands, do sensible things. Um, if everybody's careful when they do get together in groups and go back, we wouldn't have the problem we have today. Here in Wisconsin, bars have been open all summer with people crowded into them. Wisconsin is a heavy bar place. Took care of a patient just the other day. I was like, or yeah, two days ago. She's like, all the symptoms. And I'm like, so you know, where were have you who have you've been in contact with, just trying to get a feeling like, does she have this? Maybe she has something else. And she just came back from a party in madison which is a like hot spot central right now
5: Mm -hmm. a big party right?
4: (laughs) that kind of stuff is going on all over if people are reasonable and sensible you don't have to isolate yourself in my opinion you don't have to isolate yourself to have this um i mean in public health you know the health of the public is a sum total of all the parts working together so ideally you do you do your best and 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 the best um so yeah the virus would be shut down if we shut everything down for 14 days but that would come at a really really great cost that i don't think anything anybody's willing to do right and it wouldn't happen
0: (laughs) right it never just wouldn't happen so we're not expecting everybody to be hermits just to be (laughs) sensible
4: Right. Well, yeah. But from my I mean, like here in Wisconsin, yeah, we're at a critical spot. We're looking at, you know, overloading the hospitals after Thanksgiving, possibly. At the same time, there's people that are really lonely out there. Right. The need people that have gone all this summer.
0: Without much. And, contact. and
4: I, you can't you can't tell those people. No, you know, definitely if you can do your best, if if everybody that could would be doing what they could, we wouldn't be in the situation that we are right, right now. Um, I happen to know that a lot of my healthcare colleagues are going to be at Thanksgiving gatherings this weekend. They're probably going to be being careful. Some of them are isolated. So Anthony mentioned one thing to me. Uh, uh, yeah, this is what I wanted to bring up. Do what you can. Um, such as like Anthony saying that he wasn't going to meet with his little, you know, church group the Sunday before Thanksgiving to help protect people in that kind of two week period before Um, going to their family gatherings to help protect their families. Those are common sense, simple things you can do that don't hurt anybody. Um, And um, Yeah, or just if if you're sneezing, headache, symptoms, maybe wear a mask, maybe don't go there at all. Maybe take that little bit of sacrifice. We do have some ends and some, some things and a possible end to this very very good potential candidates for the vaccine you know I know people a lot of different places on how they feel about the vaccine um it actually looks pretty good yeah and I look at things with a lot of skepticism often and this looks it looks really good um there's a lot of new science out there meds are safer when they come to the market now than they used to be because the amount of data and information out there is just a lot more than it ever was before. Right. Um, so there's an end in sight. We don't have to feel like this is, this is never ending. Um, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's encouraging. I, uh, it, uh, it, it is hopeful and it's not an unbeatable thing. You know, I was, well, we just had a baby in the hospital um, on the 15th and the, the, uh, the lady that came in and gave Erica a, um, epidural, she said at the, at the, at the facility they work with, and this is, this is Boston, you know, it's big mm-hmm. hospitals with big populations. They did a, she said they did a, uh, a, a, they asked for volunteers for all of the healthcare workers who would, who would, who would offer it, uh, to do antigen tests, antibody tests. And no one in the hospital and the medical team had antibodies. So that means their PPE are, are working. Nobody's been exposed in the whole hospital and the medical staff. So just not happening masks, at our,
5: <laughs>
0: what's that?
4: Not happening at ours, unfortunately. Yeah, But too bad. most of our cases I think have come from outside the hospital. I mean, I was positive. I don't know where I got it. I didn't have any symptoms, Uh uh-huh. Um I was working with a lot of COVID positive patients in the right. ER, and a lot of people that maybe you don't take as much precautions with because you don't know. But the thing is, like, literally, yeah. you sit there and like everybody's testing positive all around you, and difficult not to get a little bit of it.
0: Right. You know. Right.
4: So. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: So, well, are any of you have? Do you any of you have Thanksgiving plans? Are you getting together with family? Anybody here?
1: It's time for we're the
0: judgement. Time for confession. Confession time.
4: <laughs> I am but I am a yeah, well, now.
2: My family uh Go ahead. Sorry.
0: No, go ahead, Dave. What?
2: Oh, my family is uh the three um there's four boys in my family and three of, the four of us live on the same road. <laughs> so we see each other all the time and so we're not getting together for lunch, but in the afternoon we're going to be up at uh mom and dad's place who also live on the same road and uh, we have kind of like a compound almost like the one here the hearth have um, <laughs> and um so we're we'll be together for that but as far as like extended family or people that we don't normally see we're not going to be seeing anybody like that
1: what about you Titus yeah so Brenna's family couldn't care less about COVID <laughs> so they're getting together at her Grandparents' house, um, who are quite old, and I'm not sure could survive it, um, which is probably a bad idea. But this is something I want to talk to you guys about um, because I I feel like quarantining and and taking the virus seriously is is something you have to do communally and and with with the people around you. And when you're in a situation like me, where the people around you, for the most part, just (coughs) believe the conspiracy theories. don't take it seriously. And if any of you are watching, I love you. Um, you, you, you're the the lady that you raised is great. <laughs> um, I enjoy being married to her. But seriously, like they they don't take COVID very seriously. Um, and so it's it's really difficult. Like like when this thing started, um, and and things got serious here in America, we did a you know, a complete quarantine where we didn't hang out with anybody. Or occasionally we'd be like, okay, let's have an outdoor campfire with people and we won't touch their food. But when everybody at the campfire is like not worrying about it, it, it's just, it's really difficult to keep up that awkward, like Mm -hmm. we're doing it differently from everybody else. Right. Um, So yeah. And and even with something like Thanksgiving, I I mean, I can mentally, I can be like, okay, I, I need to work up the resolve to just like say, no, we're not going or something like that. And at, at a certain point, it's just like, man, this is it's so exhausting to do this all year um, right. that probably what I'll do is I'll go and wear a mask, um, except when I'm eating disgusting turkey. <laughs> um, so, yeah, maybe that maybe that's the wrong thing to do. It's it's just I, I also think we're we're probably um, immune also because um brenda lost her sense of smell and taste and i had a fever like a month ago um so test well i went in to get tested and they said it would be six to ten days before i get my results so i was like we're just gonna do the the cdc recommended quarantine and and we're sure we had it i mean you don't lose your smell and taste for anything else so um. not
4: typically no that sounds legit (laughs) yeah
1: yeah So so like i said i think we're i think we're probably immune to it um and yeah, I'll, I'll probably just like do the simple thing of, of being the only person wearing a mask and the awkwardness of, of people assuming I'm a libtard because of that. But yeah, that's that's where no, I'm at. it's not just that, Titus, let's be honest. <laughs> it's what? Just it's oh, it's just, just, that. just the mask.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I want to piggyback on what Titus was saying, because that's something my wife and I've actually been having a number of, of, of conversations about this, and I'm, I guess I'm glad I'm not alone um we actually especially because our county our um here in ohio we have different color codes or whatever for the counties and our our county recently skipped the whole color color band um going to not going down either um and so my wife and i i mean we teach school so we're there in a community all the time but we haven't been attending church um and part of the reason is because Uh, We feel like since we do teach, if either of us gets exposed to somebody, um, the health department is going to shut our whole classroom down. Um, And and if both, if Treve and I were both exposed, well, then that's half the school right there. um, Just about, you know, with two teachers. And so we thought that that's one, that's one reason. And the other one is because there's probably a, I'm going to say maybe 20% of the people at church wear masks and at some point I was just having a conversation with with one of my brothers about it. And he said, he said, this is how it feels to me. He said, they imagine you decide you're going to go camping and um, you go and you go to the campsite and you find out that they have a burn ban, So now you can't have a campfire to roast your hot dogs. So while you're trying to figure out what you're going to do, you look down at the campsite down the way and down there, they're playing with a flamethrower. And over here, you know, these people over here have got, um, you know, they 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 have not just a campfire, but they've got a bonfire, and they're sitting around singing. And and over here, you know, there's this, this bottle um, rackets. right? You know, and then you look and you ask yourself, is me having a campfire going to actually make that much of a difference? Because everybody else is setting the whole place on fire. And honestly, that's been something that's been really frustrating to me because it. It doesn't feel like, because I hear from the medical community how important all this stuff is, but at the same time, I go to town, I see at least around here, I mean, um, it's hilarious to me to talk about uh, when people talk about wearing a mask shows you're a sheep, because the fact is, when I walk into the store until DeWine a couple, about about a week ago said he'd shut stores down if people weren't wearing them, um, you know, I'm the only one in there wearing one, so how am I the one that's a sheep? That's what I want to know. But, um, you know, because it's taking it off and going with the crowd, right? So, but it's been really tough because it, like, it feels like there's a disconnect. Because I know if it was Ebola and people right. were bleeding out their eyes yeah. that um, the level of, of scrutiny would be a lot higher. And so it, it, it feels to me like kind of like two corners of your mouth. It didn't help um, that back in June, um, suddenly... Uh, with the protests and you guys, we've talked about ra- uh, racial issues. You know, you know where I'm at, at on that. Um, I think I think my um, my uh, heart on that has been clear over the last um, over the last uh, six months or whatever. But it did seem a little disingenuous to me to um to tell everybody that suddenly these large groups of people are not actually that dangerous in spreading it and so once again it makes me ask if this was the medical community saying it and it makes you wonder mm-hmm. is this actually as serious as you guys are saying it is or are we just is it serious when we need it to be serious and not so serious when we don't and i think that's a question a lot of people are having and you know me i don't buy conspiracies at all but I can't. I can't deal with hypocrisy. It doesn't make any sense to me. So, I'd like to hear some. Um, I think I pro. I think it's very possible. my My thinking's a little twisted here, and I'd like to to straighten it out. But I. I don't. even – I can't imagine I'm the only person that uh, that has some of these thoughts.
1: Yeah. No. I. I think. I think the the left has been hypocritical with the protests or even the Biden celebrations. Um, at the same time, you know, a lot of people compare that to church gatherings, um, which it's not completely comparable. I mean, the protests were outdoors and most of them were mass. Now they were much larger than church gatherings. So maybe there's a closer correlation there, but I agree. I mean, the left has has certainly been hypocritical. Um, It's it's just, unfortunately, the world we live in, you know, if it's their, if it's their thing, you know, they're going to, of give it a pass um
0: I, I grant some hypocrisy too that being said I, i'd rather go to a blm protest outside than jmax church inside
2: yeah that's fair and fair enough it's just that um when you had the anti-lockdown protests right a month before that everybody was concerned that they were going to spread it and right all of a sudden now it's not going to spread it anymore when you're outside and that's that's I know. That's a long time ago, but I see those type of things happening where it's it seems super selective to me.
1: It's the tear gas kills COVID, so that's what was yeah, going, that huh? must be it. Okay, um, <laughs> hey
6: uh, guys, I I jo- Josiah's he, Josiah's been on here as long as he said he had, and Josiah, we'd love to have you on as long as you can be here. So, but I don't want you to feel like you have to stay on until we dismiss you. So. Um, <laughs>
0: You're you're muted, Josiah, but we do very much appreciate having you with us.
4: Yeah. yeah sure. I guess, guess I are. wanted to end with, with one thing. I I just got a little boy deposited here beside me, and he's giggling and crawling around on me, so...
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, look at that. Hey, buddy.
5: Hey, bud.
4: <laughs> anyway, um... I'm not sure what he's doing, but, um... <laughs> So yeah, there's been a lot of common sense and reason that's been thrown out by um, both both political parties. Like I said, it's been been difficult, I guess, to deal with. Um, you know, you have patients that think that by swabbing, you know, to tell you, like, are you sure that's not going to give me COVID when you're going to, when you're pulling out the swabs, test their nose because they're being admitted. So we're screening everybody that gets admitted. And then people like, oh, so I'm going to become a statistic when you're swabbing their nose. I'm like, no, you don't have any symptoms. So probably not. Um, but isn't everybody positive? They just multiply it until they get a positive. Like, no, and you try to explain them. But I mean, it's wearing just to hear this kind of stuff all the time. Um, you know, or one doctor that I worked with had someone screaming at him that said, you work for Nancy Pelosi, don't you? Um, when he wanted to prescribe an antibiotic that this person didn't want for the dirty nail that had gone through his foot. Um, and he said, I just came here to get that, that x-ray, you know, to make sure I didn't break a bone. That's all I came here for said, you work for Nancy Pelosi, don't you? I don't need that antibiotic. i like, you know, and he's just, this doctor. What's wrong was, with people? <laughs> I, I don't know. So, so there's this odd um, disconnect. So there's, there's those that are, you know, kind of crazy. But there's, the, there's um, a lot of in-betweeners who um, are doing what they believe to be right on both sides. I mean, if you hear some of the stuff about masking and distancing, you're gonna avoid it like the plague if you believe some of the stuff you hear. Um, you know, if you're trying to do what's right. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's a lack of good information. The loud voices out there are polarizing and um, and destroying the ability to actually move forward effectively. Because um, we sit there in the ER, doctors, nurses, all over the political spectrum. Right. Conservatives, liberals, and we all agree when we talk COVID things, some people, you know, they, they don't necessarily, you know, there's some people like, Oh yeah, the governor's doing the right thing, shutting everything down a lot. are like, no, people should just be doing this, but they shouldn't be mandating it because the mandates aren't working anyway. They just are causing strife and division. I mean, some places maybe they do work better than others here in Wisconsin. It's just as a dividing line. So right. everybody, you know, wears their badges louder and prouder and divide more and more. And, um, yeah So, as my main thing is try to if, yeah, one thing is do your best in in the areas you can but you know we've also seen a ton of collateral fallout and death from some of the really heavy restrictive type lockdowns and fear yeah that has been instilled in people a hyper anxiety and fear like you know on the psychologist side of things you know I've got a uh, my brother-in-law's an, uh, a psych and he and he you know seen high levels of anxiety people afraid of this virus right it's, it makes sense to be cautious but people going on afraid they're 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 depressed they're they're living in this w- world like if you do your best, like it might, um, yeah, you could get sick. The fact of the matter is the issues in the hospitals get overloaded and needless people die right now. It isn't percentage wise, isn't killing near as many people as originally. It looked like it was going to, yes, it's still worse than the flu. It's still not a cool virus. Right. Um, but and this needs to be approached with some common sense, um, and, and a little bit of, I mean, if you want to see some good doctors, um, if you don't mind a little bit of crassness toward the end of the podcast, but um, it was what I listened to this afternoon leading up to this. I was just want to hear some other people's takes on it. Um, but this guy has a channel. He just posted this video last night, but it's two physicians and they talk from a very level point about how Uh, studies are interpreted and how people are getting all kinds of different data you know like this danish mask study you know is one some people are using it to say that masks don't help at all other people are using it to say that we should mask same study right um so they give us a lot of really good helpful information in that they're really easy to listen to and kind of fun to listen to but um Dog md is the guy i don't know if any of you guys have listened to him at all but we haven't, um, but
0: we'll look it up and put it if you if you send Anthony a link, we'll put it in the show notes. We'll put it. Yeah.
4: Down. And um I mean these obviously these guys are from a secular standpoint. Um sure. But they're really good about under trying to understand people from where they're coming from and that people do care. How can we reach them by knowing that they care and going with that? Um and they just have good stuff to say. So um but yeah, I should probably go. Well, then, thank you. I mean, I can answer I can answer if anybody has any other questions, I can try to answer them. Like I said, I'm not an authority on this at all, but we are seeing a lot of it here in Wisconsin right now, and there's people dying that shouldn't have been dying. So
1: does it, it come from fun. 5G?
4: <laughs> I forgot about that. That was that was that, what was that was that was a funny one. There's still ones just as funny going around, but um the problem is, there's these shreds of truth and all of these weird things sometimes that makes them really weird. And well, some of them there's are shreds of truth. The five G there wasn't, but um...
0: <laughs> some were just crazy. Uh,
6: would you say one of those that one of those that has a lot more than a shred of truth to it is is that the the vaccine um, that they're coming out with making is you an intent? Destroy... <laughs> oh. No, it's going to de- it's going to destroy your empathy gene so that you can't okay. experience yeah, that... empathy with other people.
4: That's. That was a good one. Um, yeah. So there, there's a lot um, of stuff you laugh at, and there's a lot of stuff that's just frustrating because of you see it causing actual damage, and that's what's kind of difficult to deal with. Well, Some of those are like, well, whatever. I don't know that.
6: <laughs> like that video about the vaccine. I felt like just watching the video destroyed my empathy gene.
4: <laughs> it's, I feel By like it's destroyed mine shape. right
0: now. There's a whole Try set working. of people I don't feel any empathy for right now.
4: Try working in an ER for a while. Yeah. It's a <laughs> daily a battle. Your it's a daily genes. battle to keep your empathy gene. just mm-hmm. <laughs> because yep.
2: all, all the exposure to all the vaccines in there, what it is.
6: Probably. <laughs> Probably. There you are. Now we just put it together. Nor are the so exposure that, we to count that was
4: um have been bluffing all the medical advice until the last minute when they finally couldn't do anything, their husband brought them in because they're dying, you know, because they Mm -hmm. thought that's a totally different subject, but you know, Mm -hmm. lady who comes in almost dead, something totally different from COVID and her husband is sitting there and she tells me, I feel like a traitor. I feel like a traitor. She thought God was going to heal her. Mm -hmm. You see that? way more frequently than you should
0: yeah it's mm-hmm. too bad people um, need to read Sirach. that's the answer
4: yeah but those those ones are difficult because like i tell them like i'm i'm a christian too like i i and i try to and, and this lady actually i felt like i connected with her on some level you know this one i'm specifically thinking about you know but it's tough to see people doing that and they come and then they get help and then they go home but they finally got sick enough that their family member brought them because they were unconscious, you know?
5: Right.
0: Anyway. Well, thanks again for your time, Josiah. Pleasure having you with us. Yeah. Thanks so
2: much. Great to have you. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Good
6: night.
1: Yeah. Speaking of, speaking of conspiracy theories, I, I feel like there's, it's kind of a shotgun approach. So there's so many of them, um all these little screenshots and whatever that are going around that it's it's impossible to examine each one of them and disprove them so the other night my wife was showing me one that that looked convincing and i was like yeah we don't need to worry about that and she's like i I mean (laughs) why not right and so i I looked at it and i was like oh it is kind of convincing basically it was a it was the cdc put out this study that um well, the, the basic number that was relevant was that 80% of people who wore masks uh, got COVID and only 7% of people who, or no, uh, only so 80% of the people who got COVID were wearing masks and only 7% of the people who got COVID were not wearing masks. Well, what the, the screenshot did not show is that the uh, study had a control group Um, that also wore masks who did not get covid and uh you know more of them wore masks than than the group that did get covid so it was it was it's just really dishonest what a lot of these conspiracy theories i don't know if that made sense the way i explained it um it's a it's a little bit complicated until you actually see the study but a lot of these conspiracy theories are just either really really ignorant people or purposely deceptive people and and it can take like an hour or so to dig into it and fact check it and figure out why it's deceptive but like we we don't have time to do that with every one of these um which right. is why i think they're somewhat effective well, I, I can
2: I, come up with stupid ideas faster than you can shoot them down i mean that's right. that's really easy because like my head is full of stupid ideas so i just open my mouth and they start falling out and you know that you've got to go and look them all up I mean, yeah, there's just, um, it, it. it's, that's why the burden of proof is on a person who's making the claims and not, it's not your job to go and prove that what I'm saying isn't true. I need to have some type of evidence or reason to say that, but we all right. know what the favorite response is. Do your own research. Well,
6: I, I do think- I
0: haven't though, looked this up. Really I'm just, in- just maybe, just in case.
2: Right. Doesn't hurt.
6: Right. So- so this is a really important concept, I think, I mean, for anybody who actually wants to know how to sort through this stuff, you really are free, whether it's a relative, whether it's a, whether it's a, um, a friend, whether it's somebody at work who, you know, somebody shares something, sends you a, uh, private message on social media, whatever, making some wild assertion, or maybe making an assertion that sounds really serious regardless um, you are you 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 need to you need to tell yourself i don't have to pay attention to claims without evidence mm-hmm. you know, that's that that will l- lift your burden tremendously 95 99% of the information that the so-called information that's circulating is given completely without evidence it's it's simply bare assertions and the fact that it has a name attached to it doesn't mean anything either like you need to ask if if someone really thinks you should take something seriously you know ask them who said it um why do you consider this person a neutral party who should be trusted um why and 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 um yeah what are what are your reasons for believing this person and not someone else and if a person can't give good answers to those things and they can't provide some sort of evidence that why this should be believed over whatever you already believe, there's some sort of evidence that should cause co- should should cause you to take a serious look and change your mind. You're not responsible to pay any attention to that. Like David said, it is possible for anyone to generate a hundred false claims in a day that would take a lot of time to debunk each of them. I, you know, a couple of us... Um, a couple of us cooked up a, a conspiracy theory about watches.
0: Oh, it's a good one.
6: Watch and how they, they give I have not won one since I- influences. I don't <laughs> want those um, watchers watching me. And, and, and it was, it was exactly on the caliber of much of what is circulated. We had a lot more connections dots that we have connected than, than many of these things that circulate and, and, uh, and by the way, David David Iker deserves credit for that because he 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 wrote the conspiracy. But because conspiracies need to be uncredited,
0: did you say um, David Ike? <laughs> yes, yeah,
6: that's right. You know,
2: there's a reason there's why a, David Ike and I have never been seen in the same room.
6: <laughs> yes, yes, there is. Um, so, and and look at look at them. Um, you know. Shape shifting is a thing. They don't look anything alike, but you never see them together. Exactly. So, so uh, here's the, so so that that's the thing. You can. It's very easy to create these. It's fun to create them. And if you have a motivation, like if you're being paid by a political party or or someone with a vested interest in misinforming people, it, like that's a that's not a particularly boring job. And if you do that full time, there is absolutely no way to keep up with it. Um, So people need to be, you You need to learn, go, go. If you don't understand how to assess evidence, go look, go learn, start, start studying that. How do you know that something's true? Get get a basic toolbox of those things. But the first filter is if it comes with no evidence at all, disregard it entirely. Your life's too short. Can um, we make
2: clear that a three-hour YouTube video majority. is not evidence?
0: Right.
6: No, Some someone needs to be able to give you a list of, of um, yeah, some, some simple bullet points. Why should I believe this person? Why is he worth three hours of my time? That's a lot of time. Um, a one-hour YouTube video is a lot of time. If, if you can't make your case in, 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 in three minutes to me, or less why I should listen further you know give me good evidence in three minutes or less then then why would I why would I pay attention to you there's all kinds of people that want my time well
0: and, and there's and, some there's some trigger words to look out for too some buzzwords people talk about man's reasoning or or don't believe science or <laughs> the, the if that's in the if that's in the description then just keep on scrolling
1: one thing that's unique so about is, covid ahead, just, one thing that's unique about covid is that it has predictions that um a lot of the early conspiracy theories theorists were making um, and and uh, it, you know if if you the the people at the beginning who were saying that it was just like the flu and were were pointing out the stats until it reached the level of deaths that the flu get, has annually. They were very into the stats and, until that point. They, they were making certain predictions that were falsified. I mean, it's, it's you know, what is it? Seven or eight times as many deaths as the flu um, by now. And it's gonna be even more than that. So if, if you can just r- get one thing from this, like, like this is a conspiracy theory that made a specific prediction that was proved false. And so when when if you're a type of person who is susceptible to these things, like that should create a lot of cognitive dissonance to where you're like, okay, they were wrong on this very, very important thing. Why were they wrong? Are they is is this sort of an ideology really the sort of thing that I can trust in the future? Um that honestly, like that should have been the cutoff point for the for the people yeah, well, downplaying the virus. It really it's should a little have been. More-
6: it's a little more complex than that, though, Titus, because because um, the the uh, mainstream, like the the experts, made a lot of predictions. Also, people that are that want us to see them as the gatekeepers of knowledge um, made a lot of predictions and statements that weren't true. One of the one of the f- f- most flagrant ones was Anthony Fauci. Um, going on tv and saying at the beginning of the pandemic masks don't work you don't need to go out and get masks they're not helpful in preventing the spread of this virus like that was a lie Fauci knew that wasn't true anyone with a medical background knew that wasn't true um they they simply told that that lie
0: because there was a shortage and they're trying to save them they were trying to round up whatever was in the shortage for medical workers and
6: and and, and, and as, as a pure, from a purely utilitarian perspective, that made sense in the moment. If you don't feel an obligation to tell the truth, you just want to make sure the masks get to where they're needed most, then that's to, to Fauci and to others in the medic, in, in the top levels of the United States response, that felt like the most intelligent thing, you know, the, be- the best thing to do to make sure people didn't buy up all the masks. And especially panic buying of healthcare, yes um because panic buying was happening so so well when you have very public lying going on like that people people were misinformed some people couldn't get masks later on that probably wanted them because because they hadn't gotten them when they were told they did no good and then you have another issue like that's a small percentage of the misinformation is is public figures knowingly knowingly lying for, you know, whatever purposes we may find out later. In this case, it's very clear that there was a lie. It's very clear why it was told. Um, but, and, and, and you know, that lie was reversed as soon as there were sufficient numbers of masks that they had confidence they could get them for the healthcare workers. Suddenly, the story switched. Um, that's explainable, but it does destroy trust in these people because you always wonder, what are they telling me that's wrong now? And the right. other... And the other thing that happens is that, that a lot of people have trouble comprehending is that in the beginning of, a, of when there's something, a new crisis like this, a new developing um, pandemic, nobody knows what's going to happen. There is no way the experts or anyone else can make accurate predictions. They're just, everybody's like guessing with different levels of, of data available to them. And there were predictions that were made. There was a model that was used by some, by some government agencies um, early in the pandemic, we don't have time to go into it, but a model, that, a computer model that predicted how it would spread and expand. And that computer model predicted unbelievable numbers of deaths. And we aren't even close to, to, to following that curve. Um, it, it, was, it was a doomsday scenario. And a lot of agencies were kind of promoting and, and media outlets breathlessly promoting some of these really doomsday possibilities. And they weren't, most people weren't saying, you know, this will certainly happen. But, but the fact that those kinds of things were thrown out and then didn't happen does reduce credibility for the people that did it. Um, because in many cases, there wasn't a good job done in the, you know, the soundbite world that we live in right media, they didn't do a good job of of distinguishing what was here's a guess of how bad it might get here's a range of possible outcomes and people were just remember oh they said it was going to be this bad and look it's not near that bad um so i think one of the one of the takeaways one of the ways of navigating this successfully because this happens i mean this is this is part of life these sorts of you know changing signals um or lying by people who are either conspiracy theorists on YouTube or public health authorities who are going to misinform you intentionally. Um, Avoid black and white thinking. Like there is black and white thinking is not helpful when we think either masks, masks, you see a lot of this in the discussion on masks. Masks don't help on the one side. And then people thinking you don't see healthcare authorities claiming that masks stop all transmission, but
0: I don't see anybody in many, in many, that.
6: in many, nobody's claiming that. But in many people's minds who think that, you know, who are buying this narrative that there's a hoax going on, um, to them, they're, they, they're, they're victims of black and white thinking. That's what makes them susceptible right. to this idea, so susceptible to this idea is they think that masks either have to be 100% effective or not useful at all. And and there's a whole range of of things that are helpful and that layered on top of each other can be very helpful um, and give us um, much improved outcomes, um, none of which are 100% foolproof by themselves. So remember that, like whenever you see, I I think we all, when we see someone portraying something as if it's a black and white choice, that's a person who is inherently untrustworthy, either doesn't understand the issue they're discussing, or or is manipulating you intentionally. And in either case, they should not be trusted.
0: Well, I think so. Christians are dogmatists. Uh, we 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 are people who hold dogmatic positions. It's why we're Christians. Like, you kind of have to be a little bit of a dogmatist to be a Christian, and and it has you have to have a, a certain tolerance for incredulity uh the resurrection is an incredulous claim there's it's not reasonable it's not a rational idea
6: and and it's a dogma either jesus either jesus rose or our faith is in vain like there's not a gradient in there really
0: so i I i think that's where you know that's some of the roots of why we see this so much among our people what i what i think is an interesting exercise in mental health is mental hygiene is what would it take to change my mind? And there's so little of that thinking. Um, example is when Galilee was born, we haven't vaccinated our babies, especially, I think it's crazy that you give your child a hepatitis vaccine if you have no reason to suspect sexually transmitted diseases in your wife. Uh, and Surely some people have them that don't suspect them. Uh, Okay, but I'm guessing that most of our people don't need hepatitis vaccines for their babies because there's no chance of sexually transmitted diseases or intravenous drug use or whatever else the case may be. So it just doesn't make sense to me to Mm -hmm. stick my baby with that needle and put that in their body when there's no reason to. So we don't do anything. We don't do the eye goop. We don't do vitamin K shots. We've never done anything like that. So when we had the baby in the hospital this last week, she said, so you, the pediatrician came in after the baby was born and said, you guys didn't want any of that. And I said, no, we don't. And she said, do you mind if I ask why? And I said, yeah, sure. I said, you know, we're, I just don't, I don't see a need for it. There's uh, I'm, I'm kind of a, I I come from the West coast. We're a little bit hippie. I'm a Christian. I'm a little bit natural creation and it, it works and like, I don't see reasons to intervene these ways. Unless I unless I know some reason that we should intervene, and she said, okay, yeah, I kind of get that. She said, would you be willing to look at some information? Um, she said, you know, vitamin K is about clotting. It's not something that your body makes. It's it's derived from gut bacteria. And, and dietary sources and little babies don't have that. And the trauma of being born causes a lot of brain bleeds. If you were to do an MRI on all the babies that were born today, a bunch of them would have brain bleeds and we don't know about it. So that's why we give vitamin K. And I said, okay, well, give me some information. Like I'm willing to change my mind. So then she brings me a big stack of papers and it was fascinating. I was really interested to read it. I'm actually... Really disappointed that we don't do oral vitamin K because there's some really good research about oral vitamin K in in Europe that we we don't use it. We just shot or nothing. I had that conversation with her and then we noticed uh, a bruise on 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 Galilee's forehead, and I thought,, mm, that's enough. I'm willing to risk that. you know, like now I see a cost benefit analysis. I'm willing to change my position based on some a discussion, some information and and assessing things from that perspective so we gave her a vitamin k shot she's the first of my babies probably since hannah or chloe to have a vitamin k shot but that like how how what would it take to change your mind about something like when we have a discussion about masks or when we have a discussion about social distance or when we have what would it take to change my mind? What would it take to change my mind that masks are a, a control measure by a dark cabal that wants to destroy humans? I I, I don't know. It would be hard, but I, I, I'd have to see something because it's so extraordinary. It's much simpler for me to think that the same masks that doctors and surgeons have been wearing since we've been able to manufacture them probably are helpful in health conditions. That just seems like a reasonable thing. So it'd have to be something extreme to throw me off that reason. But, I, but I, I, every time I engage in one of these conversations, especially if it's somebody I know, that's what I'm asking myself is, is there even room to move the dial? And if there's not room to move the dial, is it worth the conversation?
5: Well,
0: I think, too, you know, going back full circle to the, some of the things you guys were talking about, about, you know, being the only one, uh, it is super difficult. And I, I think that's um, it, it. It ties a lot together with the the cultural effects of rural versus urban living. I think that there's an expectation in in an urban environment. I don't I don't experience that. I don't see people freaking out. I never see people in the store without masks on. I very rarely even see people walking on the streets without masks on, certainly in populated areas. I see people being cordial and polite to each other and giving each other space, even on the train. Like, it seems like people are all just kind of down with it here in the Boston area. I mean, I'm sure there's some rabid Trumpies somewhere in the Boston area that are miffed about it, but it's not what I see anywhere where that I go. Everybody is on the ball and doing the same things. So I don't, I think that just comes from an expectation that if you live around a bunch of people, a bunch of people affect your life and you're more willing to concede to the value, that, 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 to your place in, in in a people that you have to get along. You have to do your part to, you know, not throw trash or not spit on the subway or, you know. Pick up after your dog or wear a mask when you're out or those things are just much more sensible from this perspective it's one of the strengths of of i think urban culture over rural culture because when i was in idaho it's exactly the opposite i didn't see it was it was exactly the opposite i didn't see a single mask that i wasn't wearing the whole time i was in idaho wow that's amazing so how do you yeah
2: and like i have i have a really hard time with like what you were saying dr Fauci and stuff and i think i remember reading that but i didn't hear all the details but i have a really hard time like there's two classes of people um lying liars and the rest of us (laughs) and when it's obvious that somebody's a lying liar i just i've got nothing for him it's like you will get up there in front of god and everybody and say stuff that you know is not true, like you can't trust anything that comes out of a person's mouth at that point. Because how do I know? And that's why I say it. it's really hard for me to be convinced that this is actually as important as you say it is because next week you decide for whatever reason it's not that important anymore. And now all of a sudden it's no big deal. I mean, I had I went to college and we had a president that was like that. And one week, this one issue would be the most important issue in the world. And anybody who thought it wasn't was probably on her way to the bad place in the next week everybody thinks it's really important and he's moved on to issue b and anybody who thinks that that issue is still important is nuts and why would you have gotten that idea what kind of crazy notion is that it was like well you were the one that was you just got done saying that and and so i i'm it's probably it probably personal hang-up but it's something i really really have a hard time with and that's something I've watched, I feel like I've watched unfold over the last year. And so I believe for no other reason than because, um, because number one, it's common courtesy, especially now that you're putting store owners in a difficult place at the state of Ohio, if you go into the store and you know, are not wearing one. Um, and I had a conversation with a clerk where they thanked me just for, just for the, just for being nice about putting a mask on. Cause I, ran in to get something at a gas station i forgot to grab my mask and they was like could you go get your mask So yeah sure you know um so i went back and just thanking me for that kind of courtesy and i realized these are the people that are getting given garbage every single day by people who don't want to do it so for that reason for the reason of personal uh, courtesy, and for the reason that the government is being asked is asking us to do it i i feel like that's that's what we should do but it, I'm not 100% convinced that, going back to Matthew's cost-benefit cost, cost benefit analysis, that mass masking, mass mandated masking, and the burden it's placing on people is actually worth the benefit that's being reaped from it. I'm not convinced. I'm willing to do it, but I'm simply not convinced. And part of the reason I'm not convinced is because uh, the the experts have done everything they possibly can to destroy everybody's trust in them they mourn about the the death of expertise but the expertise has died by its own hand by getting in bed with politicians and and self-serving instead of doing what it's supposed to do um so that's that's what i think
1: sounds um, like iker's on the slippery slope to conservabroism no i'm definitely uh, he's, not <laughs>
6: he's well on the way to becoming ike
1: i don't think that yeah, must I be it see I'm not convinced that fauci was necessarily lying he might have been but I mean they didn't I, I don't think they knew as much about asymptomatic transmission at that point um so I, they could... knew
0: i I, I think I'd have a little bit different spin on it Dave I yeah I want I want just... to hear it
2: because I don't want I don't want to go down this road
0: but well I, it's just that I I have an ambivalent distrust of everything the government says. Like my my behavior isn't necessarily based on that because the government changes. Like I I, I concede that the government's objectives are to be one hundred percent true or honest is not in their it's not in their domain. It's not what they're trying to do. It's not their pursuit or their interest. So for instance. If you go all the way back to Fukushima, which I watched very closely because I was living in Oregon at the time, that that's a nuclear meltdown on the other side of the ocean from me. Um, And and there was all kinds of lies that happened from the Japanese prime minister, from Barack Obama. There was all kinds of lies that happened. I, I understand what they're doing is that they think that in their analysis, panic is worse than the problem. And so if you have to tell a lie to keep people from panicking, it would be like if there's a if there's a mass shooting in a mall and the policeman knows if he screams shooter, get out, everybody's going to stampede and it's going to be way worse. So he just tells people their cars being towed so they slowly exit the mall like that that i think that's what the government thinks they're doing in these cases is that they think it's a good lie now it doesn't necessarily have to be malevolent i mean i think that 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 can do very malevolent things even when Mm -hmm. the intention isn't malevolent like if they think we need to fight the communists in china through vietnam they're willing to lie about the Gulf of Tonkin because they know how dastardly those horrible commies are. And if we don't get in there and stop them, it's going to destroy our society. So we'll lie over the Gulf of Tonkin. It doesn't necessarily require like a cabalic malevolence of "woohoo, we're going to destroy the world and humanity in order to do really bad outcomes from those actions. But I, I, I grant that that's just a part of what the government does. They've got to be doing it with with FDA. They've got to be doing it with OSHA. They've got to be doing it with all their institutions is that they're designed for the common good, not the individual good. And that requires a different analysis. But I expect the government to lie to me. Right. Like the reason why you're an expert
2: is because you're going to tell people things that you know that they don't and help them. Now if you're just going to make stuff up, well then you're no different than the conspiracy guy that's making stuff up. You're both just making something up at this point. And the well, fact that in- you went to school for it doesn't make doesn't make a difference.
6: Yeah. So so I think here's another here's another place that black and white thinking is important. Experts shouldn't lie. Like we can all agree on that. And it damages their credibility when they do. And and the fact, I mean it it has it also has to do with the motivations for lying and how people perceive those. When people see experts lying repeatedly for money, that damages their credibility much more than the sort of lie that Fauci told this spring. When people found out, oh, he just wanted the healthcare workers to get the masks. Well, most people can conceive of that if they're willing to think that far. But 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 if you see someone, you know, a doctor promoting a drug as you know a breakthrough. And then you find out that company was paying him, you know, hundreds mm-hmm. of thousands of dollars under the table like that destroys credibility completely. So. So. But there's when we here here's the reality, if you do a survey of people, the vast majority of people, experts, non-experts, government or otherwise, um, you know, are, are will if you get them to tell the truth <laughs> on the survey, they will admit that they lie regularly. People tell what they consider white lies all the time. Um, most people simply don't have an aversion or a moral compass that stops them from telling lies when they think they're harmless. So you, so black and white thinking says, you're mute, Matthew, black and white thinking says, well, there's just lying liars and then there's the rest of us. That's not really true. Um, There's most people lie a little bit. So we have to ask in any given situation, we have to assume we're talking to a person. If we don't have, you know, if we don't know that person well, we have to assume we're talking to someone who lies sometimes. And we have to, and one of the best questions you can possibly answer, ask yourself, given that reality is to say, does this person have a reason to lie about this issue to me right now? um and if there's an obvious reason why they why they can would want to lie to you then that's a reason to distrust that person in that on that issue at that moment but if there's not a clear reason why this person in particular if there's a lot of people saying the same thing and there's not a clear reason why they would all want to say the same thing and collude in a lie then you should assume those people are probably telling the truth
0: well um, and it's the aggregate that's that's valuable yeah. Like, broad Mm -hmm. consensus makes a big difference. I think that's why something like review holds the value that it does is because it's not just one person or a few people that potentially have some ulterior motive. But when you can aggregate consensus, that's why the media is a valuable thing, even though it's biased. Like you can look at any any media institution is going to be biased. I think it's absurd to think that they're not. But when you aggregate the news and you say, okay, well, across the board, here's, what, here's what's being vetted through journalistic principles, or here's what's being mm-hmm. vetted through scientific principles, or here's what's being vetted through sociological principles, here's what comes out the other end of the aggregate, that's a much more reasonable, mm-hmm. reliable thing.
1: It's yeah, interesting. Again- it's, it it kind of comes down to utilitarian ethics, like this whole lying thing. And I, I'm not sure – I think I might buy into some of that like if I was hiding Jews for example I would lie to Nazis I'd, I'd be curious in hearing what you guys think about that but when we talk about the government I, I think there's a parallel between the government's use of utilitarian ethics with violence so they assume that it, it's it's going to be helpful to use violence and right. maybe for their purposes sometimes it is but oftentimes it, it, it's not even helpful for their purposes and so if you look at Fauci like he probably assumed that that would be a utilitarian lie um but then it sort of backfired on him which which really shows uh-huh. you the wisdom of the sermon on the mount i mean right. jesus talked about loving your enemies uh-huh. but he also talked about radical truth telling with the uh, whole teachings on oaths so yes, it's, it's right. interesting seeing how this all ties together and how um it, it's it's almost as if the sermon on the mount was a, a pretty wise um teaching you know yeah well, well that's this, why i say
0: i i i grant the i i grant that that's a that's a way that the government works that's a part of the fallen world just like violence is Mm -hmm.
2: no i i apparently have been fairly uh i don't know had a pretty good group of um acquaintances or else i'm just spectacularly naive but um i never cease to be shocked when um when people lie it's just like Like, the Anthony talked about the aversion to lying. Yeah, it's just, um, like, I remember being in my early teens or even late childhood, and mom would ask if we were doing something or whatever, something we knew we weren't supposed to be doing or, you know, disobeying or whatever. And we might be doing it, but we would never lie about doing it. That just seemed like it was just completely against everything that was wired and i'm as an adult i've just been shocked to run into people that that tell you lies and and it a lot of time trying to figure this out like well maybe there's some kind of misunderstanding because like people shouldn't lie um so like i said it's um (laughs) it's uh that and it's been my experience the people that are close to me as far as i know um they don't maybe just really good at it
0: well but, nobody's um, we're, we we support that dave nobody's
2: it's aberrant
0: to lying is bad we, <laughs> we concur yeah. no that, i realize that, you're not uh, that was
6: my my upbringing was very much like yours david that like l- lie was to, to lie about something was virtually always worse than having done whatever it was mm-hmm. um you that's just, what i tell my know, you children just, you just you just turned a, a misdemeanor into a felony when you lied right. about it um mm-hmm. and so and, and but, but then I became, I, I associated with other Anabaptist groups later on, I just assume this is what at least all Christian people believe, um, where, where children routinely and glibly lied um, about things if they could get, thought they could get away with it, and adults just thought that's how children are, um, and weren't alarmed at that at all. Um, assumed they would grow out of it and so there there are definitely different cultural expectations around lying but I I agree I think we can all agree that that lies ultimately don't accomplish good but um, we are we are running up on an hour and 15 minutes or so here and I think I'd like if we could talk a little bit about like what you're doing this what what we're doing this weekend or or like how how to deal with i guess we did have this conversation some but i don't know how much we how much how well we covered it for people who i I know that we have a lot of people listening who are almost the only person who's actually taking any precautions in in their real world social group um i have a family member who goes to attends a church of like i maybe i'd estimate 150 people on sunday morning and and uh she's the only person wearing a mask. Um, and, and, and they're, they're, they're taking no visible precautions whatsoever to prevent the spread of this illness. Even while here in Oklahoma, it's, it's, um, it's, you know, spiking drastically and hospitals are getting filled up. Some of the same issues Josiah was talking about. Um, so, so, uh, you know, for me, I have told family members who who are there that, you know, I will not be attending any, I, sub, I sometimes visit this particular church, I've told them I won't be attending any meetings at this church, as long as this thing is active and no precautions are being taken. I said it calmly and gently, I said, but I said it firmly, I, want, I, I feel like it's good for people to know. That there are those of us who view that as irresponsible. Right. It's it's not it's not a disagreement about what level of response we should have, but if you're simply treating the whole thing as if you have no responsibility to right. do anything, I think that's I think we can say clearly say that's irresponsible. Um, and and so I think there is a time to just abstain from participating in activities. Um, that that are where where you feel like it's crossed that threshold where it's irresponsible where you're participating in irresponsibility by being there in I'm blessed to have a small home fellowship that we fellowship with where you know it's the same mostly the same people every week we try to be cautious um, but we don't take very very extreme measures in our gatherings because they're so small I have family close that I see regularly, and again, we try to take some basic precautions. But beyond that, you know, I mask every time I go into a public building, Um, and 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 I guess I should say that the key the key beliefs that seem to be coming out of the data right now for why I make the choices I do, and and I think this is helpful for a lot of people because there's been so much information, but from from what, I, what I'm seeing rise to the top is that, um, yes, there was a tremendous amount of hypocrisy about gatherings this summer, about outdoor protests, you know, where people protesting masks were condemned by the media, but people protesting racism were not. Um, and, but, but the reality is that there are very few outbreaks traceable to outdoor protests of any kind, those protests, even right. when people weren't masking do not seem to have produced outbreaks what that means is that this virus does not transmit well outdoors um if you have a lot of air moving you know th- that suggests that you can do things like keeping windows open and keeping air circulating and if you're riding in a car with a stranger leave the windows down things like that actually help they have a strong they, they make a big difference um, and if you can meet outside if you live in a climate where you can do that you know do those sorts of things that matters, so you don't really have to worry about this much outdoors, unless you know you're talking right in someone's face. Um, so, so that's a that that's a burden that people can drop. I think another thing that people were very worried about early in the pandemic is that is that it would be transferred on surfaces. You know, maybe mm-hmm. I'm going to get some lettuce from China and it's going to infect me, or right. or 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 that you know you're going to get. I you know I remember being very I was very careful at grocery stores you know to try not to touch my face and everything because like people have been touching this stuff and but there seems to be almost no examples like no traceable examples whatsoever of this virus being transferred on surfaces some viruses do transmit readily on uh, with surfaces this COVID nineteen does not seem to and so that's another a big worry that you can really you know, mostly drop. I mean, practice good hand washing and you're probably safe from surface transmission. So that leaves the one place that all be, almost all big outbreaks have been traced to has been, has been um, gatherings indoors uh, where people were close together and especially where they were singing. Um, singing seems to emit a lot of particles out of your mouth and if you're singing or shouting or whatever indoors um, for prolonged periods of time with large groups of people that is the highest risk of transmission and it's happening a lot at places like that there's many proven cases where one person shows up to a you know church meeting or something and then dozens of people get COVID-19 from that and then some of them die and and so so when we're weighing these things, that's something to think about. Even if you're out around the campfire with people who aren't taking precautions, like Titus was saying, um, you're probably not a higher risk. Um, if you're indoors with people that t- are taking precautions and you have a, you know, a decent sized group of people in a small space, you probably are at high risk. Those are the sorts of places you should really be thinking about avoiding. And the other thing is that we're always weighing this against the harm, like we said, of, of the loss of community. People, We have to have some way of fellowshipping with people, of being next to other people, of, of, you know, of being able to care for each other in person. We can't live you know, for even a few months and probably be very healthy that way. Um, If we're not, if we're not having some interaction. So, and, and I don't think zoom really counts. It doesn't seem like. Memes get the closest. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Memes do count. Like memes are real fellowship, but, but, uh, but other than that, you know, you really need some, at least a, some small core group of people that you can be in person with, even if that does raise your risk marginally, of passing this on again, it's not an all-or-nothing proposition. So, um, so it's worth being careful. We can, I think, you know, I I would suggest that we can probably reduce the amount that we contribute to the community spread by ninety-five percent by wearing masks when we're around groups of people and can't avoid it, and then, and then um, simply limiting large gatherings um indoors
0: yeah yeah i've said it before and uh, we we always are trying to do two out of three whenever we have more than just our family together be outdoors have masks be distance always be doing two of those three things Mm
3: -hmm.
0: whenever you're together in a group i i um i don't know you know i i i it's hard for me. What What do we do about people that are the only one masking in their church? I, I hate that that's the case. I I think it's. I mean, my my own opinion is that it's patently unchristian for uh-huh. for our people not to care about their neighbors and their community. I don't understand why something like caring for your like wearing a mask like I even even in under the conspiratorial view, even if it's just the state doing it at the whim of the state like the premise for the world around us is that it's protective to your neighbors. And why mm-hmm. wouldn't we be? And I, I don't understand why it's any different than wearing pants or shirts. Like mm-hmm. I know it's a new step that we're not used to, but it doesn't hurt anybody. I just mm-hmm. don't get why it's such a big deal. And with for the caveat, can,
6: of course, that some people really can't wear masks. They have trauma pasts or whatever. We are aware of that for those people. It's all the more important to the people around them. Are doing it to protect. Yeah, and those
0: have to be extremely rare, isolated. They are. Cases. They
6: are rare. Uh,
0: I, and I and and it invalidates people. That that's a real concern for that. So many people are using it as a pretense so that they can right. skirt their responsibility. That's mm-hmm. really that's a double injustice.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: But I, I I I don't know what to tell somebody. I don't have the experience. I'm not in that case. I know it's very. in when I've been in environments where I'm the only one wearing a mask, even early we were early adopters even for Boston for wearing masks when nobody else was in public places. And it's very hard to go against that tide. I, mm-hmm. I understand how difficult it is to be in a place where you're the only one doing something. Uh, I don't know. I wish it was different for you. I think the, the more that we can have conversations with people that are in that category of not caring and not masking and putting it off uh, to, to, to make the case that masking is caring for your neighbors and that should be patently christian i mean the more of that we can have with people the better but i don't don't know how
2: hopeful. i can't help but i can't help but point out um and i've seen this a number of different places that um different people saying the people that they have the most trouble with is is is, um well specifically the what i've heard is mennonites but conservative christian people mennonites and so on that are the ones that these uh owners and proprietors of businesses are having issues with and that's um that's a real shame and i think it's especially hilarious for people whose um huge identity is to dress dramatically different from the world to call wearing a mask virtue signaling right i just think that's um i think that's that's absolutely hilarious and if you're a plain dressing person and accusing people of wearing masks of virtue signaling maybe you should look in the mirror at your cape dress (laughs) um That's just anyway, I threw that one in for free because that's just uh, that's just ludicrous to me um, that suddenly suddenly that becomes Mm -hmm. the um, the virtue signaling thing, Um, but wearing distinctive attire 24 7 365 isn't just seems odd to me.
1: Anyway. Yeah, the the fact that Christians are the ones being known for not loving their neighbor in this way is is I mean all I can say is repent. Like the church just Amen. needs to straight up uh-huh. repent. Amen. <laughs> there you go. Amen. And
6: furthermore, furthermore on the subject of virtue signaling, like I sh- to strengthen Dave's point, like wearing distinct the reason the specific reason given for wearing distinctive attire by Anabaptists is to signal virtue um so so that we have suddenly developed an allergy to virtue signaling really is um a remarkable
0: culture's built on it
6: development yes um and that that's us completely aside from the question of whether i think we should actually signal virtue by our lives um but but to uh to suggest that it's suddenly a bad thing to do when you spend your whole life doing it certainly is the height of hypocrisy. But um, one other thing I would say just for people who feel like they should be taking precautions and they're stuck in that situation of being isolated, you know, in that belief, there is character development. If you can do it humbly um, and peaceably, there is character growth to be had by learning, like exercising that muscle of being the only one who does the right thing. Um, you, you're not doing that without benefit. Even if even if you don't feel like you're making a difference in disease transmission, um, you are training yourself to be okay with being different. And that's something that Christians need to know how to do. Mm-hmm. Not that we pursue it as an end in itself and just constantly find ways to be different. But when there the, everyone is going to face situations in your life where the crowd around you is doing the wrong thing and you need to have the guts and the spine to, to do something different. And this is a rel- relatively innocuous place to practice that. Um, when you know that the reasons being given not to do it are mostly silly, um, it's a relatively easy, for, easy decision for a rational person to make. You're not harming anybody by doing this. You can still communicate with people with a mask on. Um, you can still sing in your church services. By the way, it's possible. I, there are whole churches that are singing in masks. It does work. I mean, if anybody was had been told that was impossible, um, but, we do. So, so yeah, it does not sound as good. Um, but we but didn't sound works. that good it's,
1: to begin with. So it might sound, sound better for helps. some churches. Like, muffle that down a little.
6: If you're if you're base, you know, maybe it's an equalizer. Right. some of us that have that really high baseline probably needed to be brought brought down a little anyway so but but yeah that's so don't be you know i'm thinking of actually maybe i can share my screen here um because i'm thinking of this guy who was at a nazi rally most people have seen it but i'll just describe it just it's a not a, a snapshot of a nazi rally everybody's giving the hitler salute um and and um one man is just standing there with his arms folded across his chest. And this was at a time when it was actually a life or death matter to do that. And that man died for that um, offense. But fortunately, he was caught on camera and we can look at that and see that example of courage. And that really is, that really is one of the most courageous things that humans as social animals, who we really do derive our identity largely from the part of the from the group we're part of um when our group is doing something that if, if we have to do something different from our group it hurts but that is a skill that makes you a better person if if you don't allow it to spawn some you know other unhealthy things in you and make it a habit
0: right well we gotta call it there so thanks for your time guys i uh hey if anybody out there has some things that they would like for us to cover in these, uh, in these live streams, hit us up, drop a note on the DKP page or uh message. Any one of us we're happy to tailor some conversations around things you guys would like to hear about. So mm-hmm. any, any closing, any other last words for the night?
6: Well, happy Thanksgiving to everybody.
2: Yeah.
1: Gobble gobble! Enjoy your time with is, is Thanksgiving not pagan? Um, yeah. No, Thanksgiving of. is only pagan.
0: It's not mixed with Christianity. So you have at it. But you give thanks to God, don't you?
1: I'm gonna take all of the Jesus-related uh, things out of my Christmas, and then we'll be good to go. <laughs> yeah, I if you want to get you,
0: you want to light a Yule log on fire and roll it down a hill and see how good your year's gonna be. <laughs> Praying to the druid gods, have at it. A plan,
6: all right. Well, we ended that on a cheery note. All right. <laughs> all right, That was
2: that was a joke, Jim. That was a joke. <laughs>
0: all, all right, see time. you guys.
2: Good night. Yeah. Thanks for right. time. Good night
6: yeah. to all. Yep, yeah. we'll see
0: you to all. A good night.